0: Hi, I'm Vernon Kay, and this is the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. I can't believe it, and I'm sure you can't either, but we are almost at the halfway mark of the Guinness Men's and Women's Six Nations. So we've been back in camp, getting to know some of the England players a little better. This week, we're delighted to be joined by...
1: I was very uptight. You play against the the top players in the Premiership, and then all of a sudden you're with them, and you're like... An egg, you know? mm. And there is the, the microscope on making mistakes and stuff, but I've learned now you, you've got to, you know, you've got to sort of make mistakes to get better.
0: Yes, it's England newcomer and Exeter Chief Centre, Oli Devoto Yeah, I answered to Neil, so. Do you dance like? Have you got that? Have you have um, you ever carried actually, off that dance?
1: There actually was a there's a Christmas secret Santa once and I opened it up and it was a full white, you know, trout the trousers shirt, the daps. And yeah. like, put it on, put it on. To so put it on and the music came on and I had to sort of just dance in front of everyone. <laughs> and we had the players, coaches, everyone there.
0: As well as hearing from Ollie, Courtney Law shares his thoughts on his dream dinner party and will test Red Rose Emily Scarrett's composure in a round of quick-fire questions.
2: What profession other than yours would you like to attempt? Professional cook. Professional baker. cook. Baker. Otherwise as a chef. A <laughs> baker.
0: <laughs> so let's kick off. Let's get back into the England camp and join O2 Inside Line's Paul Bunker chatting with Ollie.
3: Firstly, Ollie, thank you very much for agreeing to be on the England Rugby O2 Inside Line podcast. It's a, a pleasure to chat to you. Tell us about young Ollie Devoto, rugby. How did rugby first appear
1: on this sort of uh, horizon for you? Rugby was always, I was always sort of destined to be involved in some way. I can remember as a young toddler being in front of the minibus. My dad was coaching the local Colts team. So I was introduced to it from a really young age, three or four. And then I played for the local rugby team, Sherbourne Rugby Club uh, in Dorset. Until I was 16, and then I went to uh, Bryanston School, got a scholarship there, and then it kicked on from there.
3: What were your first memories? Do you remember way back when you were maybe three, four, five years old? Which is, I mean, you you said to me the other day, you said, I'm an old man now at 26, (laughs) but do you remember what 23 years ago, maybe 20, 22 years ago, when you picked up
1: a rugby ball for the first time? I can remember being in that you start under sixes or sevens. And what was the club like? Was it a social club? Because
3: your dad played. Yeah. As well, so right my
1: there. dad, um, he's got an identical twin. So they both played. Um, my uncle's actually the first international in the Devoto household. He wow. played for Bermuda. <laughs> <laughs> he's out there in the police force. So um, he was, he sort of said to me, yeah, congrats, but you're not the first to do it. So yeah. there's a bit of banter there. But yeah, so the, they played and my granddad played. So, and I've got another two cousins who are, who are both boys. So rugby was you know it was every weekend sort of thing
3: i'm curious to ask so clearly you've got come from a rugby family even though that you're massively successful with bath with exeter you've got titles to your name um two caps for england so far do they still give you advice and input on what you're doing where you're going wrong how you can be better how they would have done things especially the international uncle as well
1: yeah i think my dad more so than anyone else um when I was younger, when I just started to break through uh, the Bath team, when I was seventeen, eighteen, he was really influential, and he and he has been. He, he saw sort of coached me when I was younger, but I still get the you know the text before I go out, and um, he's sort of the the person who I ring the day after, mainly if it's not gone so well. I sort of get my frustration out on him. He takes a lot of um, a lot of rubbish from me, but um, yeah, no, that 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 still is um, really important to me today.
3: It's quite The dynamic's quite weird, because even though you're, I don't want to say, more successful as well a role than your he's still, hey, it's a bit of advice, son, this is what you should have done, yeah, you should have run this line and those sort of things.
1: He sort yeah. of understands, he's saying, look, I can't give you too many technical points, but for me, it's just someone you know, yeah. who I can talk to, who sort sure. of knows me pretty well. What, what were you like
3: as a youngster? What were you like at school? What were sort of things um, you used as a young boy?
1: I sort of, I was, I was very sport-orientated, I think, um... You know, in the summer, it was athletics or cricket, rugby in the winter, obviously. But I I went to Bryanston and I think it was from that point on, you know, rugby potentially became a possibility to, you know, for it to be my job. Um, So that was when it sort of clicked and I sort sort of, you know, started thinking this this could be, you know, I need to sort of knuckle down here. This could be, you know, a dream job for me.
3: And were you into like away from rugby as a young? I'm just imagining you're ten, eleven years old. What what would you do away from sport and rugby? Were you into gaming? Were you into? Um, having your bike with your mates? I you... was
1: always always outside. We lived in Sherborne, which is quite a rural town mm. um, in Dorset. Um, so I was always outside. My mum's side are from farming background, so um, that was great growing up on the farm. So I was always outside, and um, I've got a younger brother as well. So. He still plays rugby um, for the local rugby team, which is, which is quite cool. How many years younger than you, is he? He's two years below me, okay. uh, and he plays in the second row, so I've done well to escape the... Uh, <laughs> we're both similar height, so... Um, but, yeah, no, he plays second row for the lo- local rugby team, so it's quite yeah. nice to get back in and uh, watch him play.
3: So we're getting a picture of what you were like as a youngster then, Ollie, but, of course, everyone had a nickname, whether it was given to them by someone in their family,
1: friends at school. Do you want to tell us about yours? I get quite a bit of stick about my nose. Oh, okay. Um, so, I've, yeah... Big nose. What did your mum used to call you? Your childhood nickname. She would always, she'd always say I'm quite, I was quite sensible to the point where if she parked in like a, I don't know, on a double yellow line, I'd be like, mum, you can't park <laughs> there. But when I got to school, the in-betweeners came out and the, um, Neil was my nickname for yeah. a long time. Yeah. I Which I can't see the resemblance <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, some of my mates still call me that Neil. Yeah. yeah. I answered to Neil, so.
3: Do you dance like have you got that have you have um, you ever carried actually, off that dance? There
1: actually was a there was a Christmas secret Santa once. Yeah. And I opened it up and it was a full white you know, tra- the trousers, shirt, the daps. And yeah, like, put it on, put it on. So I put it on and the music came on and I had to sort of just dance in front of everyone. <laughs> and we had the players, coaches, everyone there. Yeah.
3: Carry it off? Did you, did you smash sort it the of dance? Carried it off?
1: I was unprepared, obviously. Right, okay, but, yeah. yeah. If you'd known, you would have rehearsed. Yeah, right
3: well. rehearsed. Uh, I've got on my notes here. It says that your mum actually used to call you Captain Sensible as well. Is that? You is she,
1: that? Be, there we go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it. can you say? I'm George Cruz. And
4: you're
0: listening to England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. There's more from that chat coming up very soon. But earlier in the series, we caught up with Courtney Laws. One thing we found out about Courtney is that he is constantly eating. So Paul Bunker wanted to find out what would make the cut at Big Court's dream dinner party. Anything goes here, Courtney.
3: You can have whatever you like. So, the first question is where, where are you going to be? Where in the world would you have your dream dinner? Uh, Jamaica. In Jamaica? Yeah. On a beach? Just, yeah, why not? There we go. Three guests. They can be people who are no longer with us, it could be people who are alive. You can have whoever you want. I think
4: Dwayne Johnson, The Rock.
3: Ke- yeah. Kevin Hart, is that anything? Comedian. Comedian.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. they got really well. I think they're quite funny. Yeah, yeah and who else I'm just going to go Piers Morgan oh my goodness Morgan. just because I'd like to talk to him about stuff <laughs> what would be your starter ah uh, god really there's so many good starters I'm a, I'm like a real tapas guy so I like okay. lots of different things maybe some nice calamari some real fresh calamari we'll, we'll go with calamari yeah, there we, we go it's a good start main course Well, we're in Jamaica so we'll go jerk, jerk pork we'll say and then the dessert uh, sticky toffee pudding wow it's kind of
3: really kind of moving through a different. There. It's kind of, you know, yeah. like Spanish fish. we got some jokes. Yeah, we are. We're we really getting. We I suppose that's the Northampton in you, right? I suppose yeah, exactly. I'm from everywhere, man. Uh, what music are we going to be listening to? Wanna beat reggae? In yeah, definitely Reggae, yeah. yeah, And then dress code. What, are, you, are you a smart guy or
4: would you go for something? No, nah, a uh, shirt. Like a beach shirt. Like a Hawaiian. We'll say Hawaiian shirt, shall mm. we? Just, you know. Shorts and trainers yeah. Barefoot so Maybe all even of that as well
3: Yeah How long will this party Go on for Are you a guy Who likes to burn it Through the night Or are you a kind of You start at lunchtime And we'll have an early finish No nah,
4: let's go through the night I think yeah. it'll be I think we'll have It'll be good fun With all that With m three Yeah so. Yeah
3: Piers Morgan doing cocktails isn't it? <laughs> Brilliant Thank you very much all right, Cheers
0: Tell you what, that feature should come with a health warning. May cause hunger. You can listen back to the full podcast with Courtney by scrolling down through some of our previous episodes. Back now to Paul's Chat with Ollie.
3: What's it like for you when you go back to your local rugby club, back to Sherbourne or any other local clubs that you're involved with? They must be immensely proud of you, aren't they? When you, I mean, and what's it like? Because we often go to these rugby clubs and see the jerseys up on the wall and Oli Devoto and, you know, I know down that way you've got Richard Hill was from Salisbury and Brownie and, and those things as well. But when you go and see those, how, how do you feel about that when you see the club are that proud of you and your achievements?
1: Yeah, immensely. You know, it's, um, it's something that you don't really reflect on too much because you're in this environment especially you're on to the next game on to the next game but when you go back it's um you know and you speak to people who coached you when you were eight nine ten years old um you know it's, it's amazing and I feel like I'm at that stage now where I can sort of start to give back and I've, now I've done a couple of coaching sessions down there you know with, with the youth team and the uh, and the first team as well so um you know anything now I can pass on to them is is brilliant yeah and
3: that sort of kind of age group of mates of yours how do they feel about when they the guys that you grew up playing with and you've seen them are they come to games are they yeah, with you are they
1: supporting it's them? actually it's it's amazing how many people are you know are, in, are interested in in what i'm doing um i get surprised by it all really but um i've had i've had occasions where i've been down at the chiefs and say 12 or 12 13 14 guys have come down to support me so it's a good hour and a half trip you know it's not just down the road so yeah it's um it's quite special and uh it's nice, you know. Actually, just uh, Christmas time, I, I got a few days, to, uh, to, you know, chance to go back and uh, and see everyone, and it was it was pretty quite a special time to see everyone because there's some guys there that are still working in Sherborne and still playing, you know, for the local team. So. Yeah, that was that was enjoyable. I
3: must be very very proud of you. I want to talk about quickly about your change from Bath to the Chiefs as well, because sort of kind of grew up through that pathway into into Bath. What what was that like for you? It must have been pretty hard because the kind of clubs that are you know, I think it's fair to say kind of enemies. What do you think? That's probably a strong word. But what what was that like for you when an opportunity came up to
1: work there? First of all, I grew up wanting to play for Bath. Bath was my local team, and when I got the scholarship to the school, that was, at the time, a very good feeder for Bath rugby, so that was my path, and I was there for four years. Um, I really enjoyed my time there, but it got to a stage where you know the club was successful. We got to the final, and we lost against Saracens, and I was sort of that, that player who could play quite a few positions but not nailed-on starter, and that was something that... I, it was a bit of a risk for me to leave the club that I really wanted to stay with and, and play for, you know do i leave that and then try something new if it doesn't work out what am i going to do and i can remember actually talking to my dad about it and he said look you know you sometimes you've got to just take these risks in life and luckily it paid off um Mm. because we won the premiership the year after yeah i still say to the lads that's the reason why we we won because i came over uh, (laughs) no i'm joking (laughs) no ollie no no yeah no no, it worked out um really well and um i'm i absolutely love life in exeter it's um Life goes a little bit slower down in Exeter than what well, I can imagine it does in London, but I absolutely love it down there and um we've got a real tight, tight group yeah. of guys. What
3: well, was there ever a plan B? you said there for a moment you were actually thinking, is this gonna work out for me? What what was Olivoto's yeah, the, the, plan? The plan B. B
1: was, you know, either I, I I make that transition to Exeter or I, I stay at Bath and and hope that I can try and find my way in and and that's not to say, you know, the competition at Bath was was extremely high. Carl Eastman had you know, two seasons where he was phenomenal um, in the 12th shirt, and then you've got JJ who's involved here, um, played really well, and, and George Ford at 10. So, yeah, it was really tough, um, but it was a risk that I, that I had to take.
3: Can you tell us about how? You played pathway rugby as well, didn't you? Age-grade rugby as well yep. with, with England through the pathway there. But do, can you tell us about that moment that you got the call from Eddie Jones or Eddie got in touch with you and what that was like and how that comes about? I mean, we've had stories before of people who get in WhatsApps. Somebody else in the Sevens programme got a message on Facebook. about coming. But how, how did that come about for you? How, how did Eddie get in was, touch?
1: It was four years ago, four or five years ago. Um, it actually came as a, as a real shock because I was actually still at Bath when, the, when I got called up. Yeah, just just surprised more than anything. I think for me, I was so far in the bubble at Bath and really trying to get into the first team and secure a position that international, you know, recognition was sort of everyone wants to play for England, but it wasn't on my agenda at the time. So when I got the chance to come and be involved in the setup, it was I was like flipping egg. I was really surprised. Did um, he
3: call you? Was it a
1: call? Or was um, it? I actually, I think it was a text message. I think. Was it? <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I had a conversation with him before we before we got here. Mm. And yeah, I mean, what what an experience it was to be part of that environment.
3: I mean, you've, you're playing alongside and you have been world class players for many years at Bath and at Exeter as well. Can you tell us how you found the step up when you came into camp for the first time? So you've been into quite a few England camps over the last three or four years.
1: Yeah, at first I found it, you know, difficult. Um, you know, everything is under the microscope, and and it is um, it's an intense environment, but. I think what I've taken from those being involved in those three or four camps is just try and just try and be yourself and trying to adapt to situations. I think the coaches um, put you under pressure. You know, they, mm. we're all striving to get better, and um, you know, maybe looking back on things, maybe didn't deal with certain situations in the best way, mm. on the pitch and off the pitch. But I feel like as you get older and you get more experience, you sort of learn to just be yourself and just learn to adapt to those situations.
3: How would you say your rugby's improved? Like, tang- what would you say, like, actually tangibly that you could sit here and say, you know, England and Eddie have given me these a couple of things that you where you think you've been away and maybe you've worked at it at Exeter, but there must be things part of your games that you've developed. Like yeah,
1: well, Exeter's style of rugby and, and the way England want to play are, are quite different. Mm-hmm. So, uh, first of all, I had to come in and I had to you know sort of part those traits that I had that I used with Exeter and and concentrate on how England play. And I think, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a tall, I'm quite a big guy. He wanted, you know, the, my carrying ability to be better. So that's something that I've tried to work on. I think through the age groups, I played a lot of fly half. And then when I broke into the bar team, I played fullback. So they weren't the most confrontational positions, you know, but that's something that I've worked on. As I began to play 12 and 13, your contact skills have got to be better.
3: First cap was against Wales. It was. 2016, is that correct? Yeah. That's right. Can you talk us through your emotions around that first game? I think, you know, for every rugby player, it's for all of us at Amateur level, it's a dream to play for England. Have you got any clear memories of what it was like that day and how you felt?
1: I was on the bench for England against Scotland in the Six Nations and I didn't get on and I had been 24th man as well. So I sort of got a taste of that international environment, but by the time it came to the Wales game, I was so itching to get on and I I think I only got eight or nine minutes, I think, if that, but... um, yeah, it was sort of just not a relief, but it, I was so proud just to get on the field and, and you know, and you get the, the ceremony after, which is very special with your family. So, yeah, it was a day that I, I'll never forget. Is
3: it almost like that dream that you had maybe by the time rugby really became on your radar, or maybe when you're 10, 11, 12, start thinking about it potentially as a job, and then next thing you're stood there, arm around your teammates, anthems are on, looking in the crowd, maybe at your parents, trying to imagine, what's that like?
1: How does that feel? You can't really explain it. Yeah, just immense immense pride i think you you sort of also you remember the people that got you there as well because you know everyone will say it's quite cliché you know i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them but it's mm. so true and and i can you know you can name 10 or 12 people if it wasn't for them you know coaches at school coaches at club mm. family friends it wasn't for them you wouldn't be in that position so you, you sort of just remember them
3: are you literally holding back the tears I mean I'm, I'm tearful here talking yeah. about it and it's not it's you and not me but clearly the other emotion you've got is you're getting ready for a test match as well yeah. you're going to go to battle in a second so I'm wondering where, where that threshold and line is between raw emotion and sort of passion and then actually right I'm ready for business yeah it is it is
1: raw emotion I think if, any, if anyone said to you it wasn't I think they'd be lying I think mm. Yeah, just raw emotion. It's something that I've never felt before, so it just sort of just came, you know, naturally. And
3: sort of looking ahead now, like I said in camp this week, you told me as a an old old man at 26, kind of ancient. um, Are you the sort of guy that sets yourself targets and ambitions? How
1: how do you operate? Um, For me, these last four or five weeks with Exeter before I came in, I'm really enjoying my rugby. And I I was injured at the start of the year. And um, I sort of said to myself, you you've got to relish these opportunities when you get them and these opportunities aren't going to be around forever. So, you know, we're only in camp here for another, say, a month. Um, you've got to just maximise and make the most of it because you may never get the opportunity again. So for me, it's just maximising each um, opportunity and then obviously continuing playing well for Exeter because that's what's going to get me involved in this sort of set again.
3: How, how would you say you've changed maybe in the last... since you've been involved with England, but as a player, not, not maybe technically... But are you kind of a bit more relaxed now? You seem. know, you haven't seen you train and stuff. Were you maybe uptight? I'm imagining yeah. a lot of guys are when they first come in. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was. I was very uptight. Um, you sort of you play against the the top players in the Premiership, and then all of a sudden you're with them, and you're like flipping neck, you know. Mm. And there is, like I said earlier, that the microscope on making mistakes and stuff. But I've learned now you've got to you know you've got to sort of make mistakes to get better. So. As long as you're diligent you know, in your preparation and, and you're learning from making those mistakes, it's not a problem.
4: Hi, this is Mario Tojo and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line.
0: More from those two very shortly, but up next, let's see how Red Rose centre Emily Scarrett got on when she was subjected to a round of quick-fire questions.
2: could hear one music track again ever for the rest of your life what would it be and why
5: return of the Mac Mark Morrison <laughs>
2: Brilliant. Uh, what profession other than yours would you like to attempt I'm sorry this isn't quick is it we right, you know we can edit these things it's fine
5: professional cook
2: professional baker. cook professional otherwise baker. There was a chef Emily Scout what's your favourite place on earth
5: uh, my home where I grew up nice
2: who would play you in a movie
5: I'm not very good with actresses. Someone like Julia Roberts.
2: Julia Roberts, that's good. Um, what are you scared of? Snakes. Uh, who and makes being you made
5: la- to jump. I hate being made to jump. As in, so if someone scares you, and you know. Oh, <gasps> okay.
2: Yeah. Excellent. Who makes you laugh the most in the England camp?
5: Bots and Poppy are quite funny at the moment. Although if you, we don't tell them that, that'd be great. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> What's your signature dish? Some baking. form of baking, yeah. Do you not have a go-to cake? A like, go-to?
5: like a white chocolate Rocky Road. That is actually my signature. So bad for you.
2: Excellent. Um, what was the last gift you gave somebody?
5: Probably mum and dad last Christmas. We got them Tina Turner the musical tickets. And I got myself
2: one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a present for you. It was Excellent. great. <laughs> uh, when was the last time you were starstruck?
5: So actually the World Rugby Awards. Um, Brian O'Driscoll came up to me and I was a bit like... Did not know you knew who I was. So that was cool.
2: Excellent. Uh, What's your biggest pet peeve?
5: Unorganised people.
2: Ditto. Mm. And describe your dancing style
0: in three words. (laughs)
5: A (laughs) (laughs) two-step.
2: Excellent.
0: Thanks, Emily. And best of luck to the Red Roses at the weekend. Don't forget, it's not too late to see them live in action against Ireland in Doncaster this coming Sunday. Just head to englandrugby.com forward slash tickets. Now, though, for the final part of our feature interview with Oli Devoto.
3: Tell us about life away from rugby then, Oli. What, what, what do you do to take yourself away from it? Or how do you just like to chill out and relax?
1: I'm, I'm very lucky. We've got a very tight group of close friends in Exeter. Um, we're all similar ages. Um, and we, we play golf outside of rugby. There's, there's a golf group and there's also... Um, coffee groups I mean we've got the famous cookie club as well that goes on down in Exeter of course, so uh of there's various groups that you, you can sort of get yourself in on. Yeah. Um, What's your golf like? Not too bad. There's a few guys down next to that are very good. Uh, Joe Simmons and Dave Dennis are all off single figures, but um, I play to 14, 15, okay. but I don't play enough. I, I think that's the one thing I'm looking forward to when I retire, just playing a bit more <laughs> golf. Is it a
3: good mental wind down for you as well? The passive nature of golf, a lot of bit of chat with your mates, a bit of banter, yeah. each other. There's
1: still fierce competition, but it's all in a all in good nature. Yeah, I, I enjoy just... Just getting out in the countryside. We've got some lovely courses down in Exeter. What
3: about? Have you got a dog? Like I have. You a dog just, got? just got a dog. Yeah.
1: What sort of dog have you got? A Hungarian Vizsla. So quite big, aren't they? It quite requires. Big. It will get quite big. Yeah, yeah. It requires a bit of um, bit of work. But I've, again, I really enjoy that sort of thing. That um, you know, getting up and taking him taking him out before you go to training. Yeah. And I, yeah. I enjoy.
3: And what about um, things like? Are you into sort of Netflix music? Have you got? Are
1: you into box? Yeah, I use. I use Netflix when I'm here. Um, we get quite a bit of free time here, so it's um, it's nice to just chill out. And um, what are you watching at the moment? I'm actually I've just finished uh, You, which is which was quite interesting. And I'm, I'm open to suggestions. Actually, I've I've heard Ozark's quite good. Ozark's I brilliant. And, yeah, really good. It's that. kind
3: of yeah, that's well worth the watch. It's a bit odd at times, but that's uh, if you like a bit of sort of a bit gangster, a bit yeah. kind of uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good watch. What about things like reading as well? Do you kind of read? How yeah. do you?
1: I've been trying to learn a little bit of French. Um, oh. There's a French group down in Exeter, um, so I've been try- dabbling with that um, just to keep the mind going. Really. Cause
3: Where are you in your French
1: development? <laughs> um, I'm in the early stages. Oh, yeah. I was I wasn't too bad at school, but obviously I'm an old head now. Like we said, yeah. 26, and I haven't. <laughs> I need to revisit it. So yeah, giving that a go. And I'm actually reading a book that was recommended to me. It's called The Bang Bang Club, and it's about. Um, war photographers okay. in the apartheid so that's really really interesting All right okay there yeah.
3: you go the, the olive devoto book club you and uh, richard maidly putting your book club ideas together what are you like on the phone are you kind of into it massively what's your favorite app
1: i actually do look at my phone quite a bit half of that is just looking at the schedule to see if i've missed anything <laughs> when when the next meeting is if but yeah i look i look at my phone quite a bit what's i that? mean i, I yeah. message my friends quite a bit mm. um, we've got group chats and stuff and Stuff flying around in there. So, yeah.
3: give us an idea. What do you like to do in when the, when the summer comes around?
1: What do you do to get away? Well, my my girlfriend's a teacher, school teacher. So, it's actually quite difficult because her weeks don't coincide with when we're off. So, yeah, that that sort of I might have to go away with the guys, which would be terrible. Oh. I? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm sure she loves that. you've got to had a season no, committed. To um, rugby. Hopefully,
1: we'll get a week away somewhere.
3: But are, you, but are you a beach guy? Are you guys like to yeah. go, walk and, you know, go off to the... Yeah, simatives? I went to, um,
1: went to Bali last year, which okay. was amazing. Tried to do as much as we could. It was sort of like a travelling-esque type mm. trip. But I've been, been to Ibiza a few times. Croatia was lovely. I think we'll do something sort of similar to that, I think. Mm.
3: Brilliant. Nice Thank you very you. much. Thank Cheers. You.
0: Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, can you believe it? That's it for this week. Big thanks to Oli for being our guest on the pod and, of course, to big Courtney Laws and Emily Scarrett, too. If you're enjoying what we're bringing you, this Six Nations, then please do show the podcast some love on iTunes or Apple Podcasts by leaving a rating and a review. And, of course, tell your fellow England fans all about us. We want this podcast family to grow. Enjoy the feast of rugby being dished up this weekend and do join us again next week for another exclusive interview with one of our England stars. Until then, from me and the team, thanks for listening and goodbye for now.